What's up everyone? It's Friday and it's a special Friday here because I've got a Dunkin' coffee. No, it's not. It's because, <laughs> it's because guess who's here? Phil. And uh, I was really hoping he was going to sit on that side of the desk because I want to stay away from the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm joking. Phil quarantined himself when we first uh, went into this whole quarantine period because his, uh, his partner is an ER, works in the emergency response department of the hospital. But they've had no real, like it's been a letdown. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a no-show. There's been no corona cases. Well, there's been, been some, but it's just been like, so not as big as everyone expected. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, which is very fortunate for Australia. Not to say that I'm, um, you know, yeah, I think everyone should just go back to normal things, but oh, well, I could probably, no could probably pop in for a physio Friday and yeah, uh, nice, say hi to everyone. Nice. Oh, well, we miss him. So we're going to be getting into, uh, Phil's going to be talking about um, his digital uh, physiotherapy sessions that he can do and answering any questions that any of you have. Uh, and if any of you don't have questions, I'm going to be asking him because my body feels wrecked after these at-home <laughs> workouts this week. <laughs> we are, we're, just quickly shout out to Grace Clement. She's saying morning guys and welcome back. Phil with a big Thanks, smiley guys. face. Steve Cavana saying yay, Aiden Potts, Phil, the thrill. Good to have you <laughs> back, brother. <laughs> That is a new one. I haven't done yeah, that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, we got a couple of physios in the house today, actually. Um, uh, we got some guys from the GWS Giants filming exercise videos out in the gym for an app to help people move during COVID-19. So that's very exciting too. Actually, missed having. For those of you in America or in Europe tuning in, um, GWS are part of the AFL, Australian Football League, which is kind of like NFL, I guess, in America. I mean, no, it's not really. It's just a, it's football. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's like, the equivalent. As, yeah, it's the equivalent. Yeah. It's as popular here in Australia in the, as mostly in the southern states outside of New South Wales. But anyway. yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and in Western Australia too. Yeah, Perth, if you haven't seen it, definitely uh, yeah. check it out. Yeah. But I'm, my, the podcast part of me is uh, kind of stressed out about this introduction where there hasn't been a cut to the bumper, so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with uh, oh, editing a yeah. podcast later on. But, you know, new format today, that's right. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, special we did, occasion. We, we sort of <laughs> fluffed it a little bit there. No, yeah. no. So how have you been, man? Uh, Talk it to has us. been a strange time. It's just been really weird being at home and th seeing the inside of a building that's not my house or the supermarket is like quite... You know, exciting. It's like thrilling for the senses <laughs> to just have like different stimulus. Um, but no, it's been a uh, not great. I really like working uh, here with you guys and definitely feeling the uh, the loneliness of being at home. I think. But um, yeah, when you go down to, I've been still into my swimming and, and, and surfing and, and and running around, and you go to Manly, and it feels like you're there's no pandemic going on. It's like yeah, <laughs> when yeah, it's such really. beautiful weather outside and people are exercising, it's like, yeah, yeah it's been I, what I What I find strange is that every time I go outside, I really feel like I'm like breaking the law, like I'm doing something yeah. really bad, you know? And even if I'm just making a trip you straight to are. the supermarket and back yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but... Um, I've never, I haven't been to a beach or anything like that in months, you know? Yeah. And, and no, I've, uh, I've been pretty strict about it. Like I've got, I've, stay at home all day and then at five o'clock I go for like a sunset thing and then I like get back in in the house so yeah. and yeah haven't been coming in here but uh yeah it's nice to nice to nice to be here it's been a busy time trying to get all my uh relearn how to do my profession online <laughs> which yeah. is like something I was planning to do anyway but this really forced the issue and um yeah it's been good had a few consultations some of the people on the um from the unity group and some others so it's been yeah, yeah it's been yeah, awesome. good so far and uh Fantastic. getting recording a few podcast episodes for my new physio interview podcast and also then organizing my podcast I'm doing for patients about 
yeah. Uh, yeah, how to not see me, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so very quickly, guys, uh, before we go any further, we've got a bunch of people on the live. If you've got any questions about, um, and I, I noticed that Carmine's jumped in, which is fantastic. If you've got any questions for Phil about uh, any sort of niggles, issues, injuries, things that you've wanted to ask us but we've failed you on, uh, now's the time to get them in. And um, also, for those of you who are watching the live stream, give, just give us a comment. Let us know who's there and where you're tuning in from. We like to know that we're talking to people, not a camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what's the format? Explain to us how it works, uh, an online consultation. Yeah, so part of, I guess, the um, big place to start is that I have rebranded. Ta-da! Switched on Physio. I've been, yeah. I've been yeah, I know you've been calling that for a while, but I haven't done like the official launch. So we'll call this the official launch where, um, yeah, I'm trying to move away from my name as brand to try and build something that, you know, I can potentially have more people involved with in the future. Yeah, uh, yeah so the brand and, and the website's called switchedon.physio, so it's not .com, it's .physio. So maybe while you're there, just have a little look and see what I've been up to. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it got, I decided on the name before, um, the whole pandemic hit and everyone to lockdown, but it you know it kind of works well with like the switched online. So kind of switching your thinking about how you you're interacting with physios. And the idea is that uh, physio is so much about like physiotherapy is a profession. It's not a treatment in itself. So it's very much about what the the patient is doing in the in the experience. So you've got to be really like switched on to doing something when you're when you you've got to be interacting with the physio. You've got to be uh, you know really taking control of your own body and using. The physiotherapist as a as a kind of health consultant, a body consultant mm. to yeah. get you doing things, and at the same time, like I really like the idea of a physio being switched on because you know it's a <coughs> ever ever changing profession, and uh, there's constantly new research coming out and different ways of people, you know, like suddenly, like things change from being a very much like hands-on kind of treatment uh, profession to a exercise prescription one, and um, you, you've really got to stay up to date with what's uh, happening in the profession. So. I like the idea of being fairly switched on and um, changing and keeping up to date with what's going on. We had a, uh, a discussion, I think, on yesterday's show or the day before about being switched on, about uh, being up to date with the, the, the most uh, current research because someone was talking about how they'd hurt themselves and they were just currently icing it and yeah. uh, listed off the old rice um, sort of thing, basically. And I was trying to be educated and say oh i think that's the, the old way of doing things yeah. now and i was trying to remember the love acronym and peace and love peace and love and grace clemens actually dived in and she she uh did um remind us of the peace and love but i didn't really know how to apply it so we didn't talk about yeah it yeah i mean that's a that's the whole thing about it hey like you you know you learn about the body for your whole life and you you learn one thing and then suddenly it's like everything's kind totally of constantly morphing, yeah. morphing and you've got to Stay up to date. So yeah, liked that uh, land on that brand name, and I think it sort of it fits fairly well. So, um, but yeah, how it basically works is um, if you go onto my website, I've got a how does online physio work tab that you go to, and it gives you a step by step on the whole process. Um, I basically instead of doing like a conventional physiotherapy appointment where you um, you know you, you come in and you get an appointment and then you book in your next appointment and then you know that kind of keeps on. You have like just these distinct uh, one-off appointments, you actually go with packages. So uh, the way that works is you fill out an online form that gets most of your information down so you can condense the video appointment to actually talking about really what you want to achieve, more about your goals, and clarifying a few things in the history. And then it opens up the availability to have a, a, a dialogue throughout the package period. So we've got like a one week, a month, or a three month where 
you, where we have a, an app where I do an exercise prescription program. Uh, you get all your exercises, and then uh, you can track your adherence to it. It gives you reminders to because often doing the exercises is the hardest part. Yep. You can track your pain levels, and then there's an, a secure messaging part of that app where we, can, you know, if you have any questions, instead of having to book in and pay another, you know, hundred and 20 bucks or whatever a physiotherapy appointment is, yep. um, you can you know, just have access to me and once a day I go on and answer all those questions um, and then you know, keep guiding if there's something wrong with the, like a program where it doesn't quite work for you, it's a bit harder than you expected or a bit too easy, then I can adapt that on the fly. And so it's a really nice way of um, yeah, being that able to have awesome. like... It sounds so much more in depth than the physio appointments that I've had in the past, <laughs> you know, yeah. like where it's kind of like you go in, they fiddle around with your body a little bit and then you go out and hope that you feel better and nine times out of ten you don't, so you go back and uh, pay them more money and yeah, I'm like, so wow, it's, like it's very rare. And sometimes you'd get at best a scribble on a page about like trying to do this. Yeah, this know? app is pretty neat where you can get like full-on videos there with descriptions, your sets and reps are all done. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to build up a library of exercises for that at the moment, which fits in well with what you guys are doing, but um, yeah. yeah, it takes time and hopefully as they yeah, go on, it's it will a process get better, that you keep going. I, I just very quickly, um, Steve Cavanaugh's jumped in and said, I thought the online consultation with Phil was great. Can definitely recommend to anyone who's not sure if online is right. Yeah, had a good chat with Steve. He uses uh, the app, which looks awesome. Yep, yeah. there you go. Uh, we got a question here uh, from Carmine. Uh, my serratus anterior on my right side has a small knot by the scapula. What's the best method to loosen it? Been using a lacrosse ball with a weighted band. First of all, why don't you explain to me what a knot is? Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't <laughs> I it? I love like... this. Yeah, get ready, get ready, Carmine. You might find. I'd well, also like to know how do you know that it's your serratus anterior yeah. where it connects to the scapula? Because I certainly would not be able to tell that it was my serratus anterior. Uh, that I'm feeling if it was around well, yeah, the so scapula. Well, yeah, so it's more like by the scapula, but like with the serratus anterior, for those who um, aren't up with their um, Latin words and their anatomy, basically it's a muscle that goes from your rib cage here and it attaches to the, the underside of the back of your scapula here and its job is to try and keep your shoulder blade nice and flush to You'd your rib cage. You'd be able to see it on me, wouldn't you? For you, bloody rippling with a... That's it there, yeah. isn't it? Is that it? The, yeah, the it's, so serratus, serratus in Latin means sore, which is kind of... I love, I love anatomy because the words always tell you something about the, the structure. So for this instance, it's a sore. So you can see on... on uh, on Rad, you could cut down a bloody... You can see the like teeth a, of the saw there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cut down a tree with that sucker. Um, but yeah, and anterior, so it's, it's at, at the front here. And um, yeah, basically its job is to try and keep your shoulder blade flush against your um, ribcage. So for people who have scapular winging issues, the serratus anterior is um, the one that's generally not quite doing its, its job so well. But when it comes down to knots, uh, generally you get like a tightness or a spasm, which is what we'll kind of call a knot here, um, for a muscle that is basically gone above its threshold of like load capacity. So if you uh, overwork something, or you, you work something to a point where it's not quite able to handle the load, then that's when you, you're gonna get these kind of long-standing spasms, which is the, the knot idea. It's not actually a muscle that's tiny yeah, knot, yeah, but it's yeah. just a, an area of localized spasm that can come from the macro, so from like, you know, your total level of training. So if you've not really done much training and then you've seen, like you've kind of got addicted to waking up in the morning and seeing Rad just like, you know, in all his glory <laughs> rippling away and you just want to follow along and you suddenly start doing a whole lot more training than you have before, then that's a kind of macro picture. So big picture, you've, maybe you've overloaded it through the total amount that you're doing. But the other thing is that the, the micro loading, so maybe your shoulder mechanics are not ideal and so your serratus anterior is doing, you know, 
more work than it ideally would in, in the whole shoulder system. So it might be a shoulder balance issue. And, and without kind of getting into, uh, you know, like really specifics for this person, um, it's hard to, hard to say with you on the other side of the screen, but to have a think about those two factors and, and maybe it's kind of coming down to um, either like your total training or mm. look at your shoulder balance. But what you can do about it, I guess, with the, um, if massaging is good, the thing with massage is if it feels good, do it. If it helps, do it. Like it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. I've been a massage therapist for eight, seven years now, and uh, yeah, like it's, you wish there was some like magical explanation of you know how like friction sort of suddenly makes things better, but really, yep. it's just like if it feels good, do it. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, something that I've um, that that's really opened my eyes up to general treatment, like a general approach for basic injuries since we've had you here, and I've been able to you know, just have an open conversation with you about anything that's going on in my body is that the idea of identifying the weak links in your kinetic chains, like the, the reasons as to why your body isn't moving so well, and then it becomes quite a simple thing of, okay, well, you, you need to just work on this and strengthen it. And the problem is that when, when you don't understand that, you try something, nothing happens. So you try something else, nothing happens, but it takes time for anything to actually happen. Yeah. So when you have somebody with your level of knowledge being able to say, well, it's most likely that this is the weak link in your kinetic chain, so you're gonna to wanna to do X, Y, and Z exercise for six weeks and then reevaluate and see if it's made a change. Yeah. And with that approach, I've done things that I overlooked that I thought, well, it's not that because that didn't make it better. But yeah. when you reinforced it to me, when you said that actually most likely is what it is, um, yeah, my, my problems are yeah. really, really well. And just to tie that into my terminology there, it's really talking about that micro-loading idea. So that weak link of the chain is a nice sort of, uh, yeah, example of that mm -hmm. sort of micro-loading thing. And that is a really challenging thing with physio. And um, something that I find hard just to be really open with everyone is like, you know, I want to go in there and make people like feel better straight away. I want to make people like, you know, leave the consultation being like, yeah, I'm fixed, I'm instantly better, but it's a hard thing with physio. Like it does take time, it's the same with training. Like you've got to, um, yeah, you've got to put in work and you've got to like test things and see how they go and you got to, like it, it just does take some time sometimes. So um, get, but yeah, if you can get some direction on where you're heading, then uh, that time is well spent. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, sorry, go on. Well, go on. so I was gonna say, um, uh, Carmine, you'll, if you actually do an online uh, consultation with Phil he can go so much deeper uh, with you onto this because he'll be he'll get you to move and he'll be assessing you and your movement and and you can uh, get a lot more clarity in that so what has been given to you there is some really general advice but you can get some much more specific advice if uh, if that's a, a path just, that you want to go just down. very quickly I've got an answer for Loggy Lockie Lockie Hussar hey guys read out his question long time though. listener first time caller my question is, for the brothers, what products do you use to keep your complexion looking so fresh and youthful? Now, that's a great question. It's only one product. It's called UMS. It's a lotion that you apply <laughs> liberally to your skin on a daily basis. It takes about 60 to 90 minutes um, of application. That, that might be what you use. I've actually got a whole array of products at home. <laughs> I go through like a seven-stage uh, cleansing and facial moisturizing process in the morning and a three-stage in the evening. And all that coconut <laughs> oil you keep buying. Wasn't yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. And the products have to be squeezed onto his skin by um, uh, virgins that are sourced from the um, <laughs> Himalayan Alps. Uh, <laughs> and they have to be naked whilst they do it. Uh, no, 
moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, uh, in all seriousness, mate, it's the Bahamas glow filter that Richard puts over us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we actually look really pasty and white. If yeah, that's here. right. Yeah. So uh, Cal- we got a question here from Callum, Callum Cassidy, yeah. who was on the morning workout. So great work, Callum, for getting over here and joining the group. I don't know if you were prior to this a member of the group or not, but welcome anyway. Uh, so, Rad, have, have you got that question? Can you bring yeah, that one up? Yeah, so Callum is uh, saying, I can't throw a sidekick or round kick without groin pain. So, Phil, that's where, you know, you bring your leg up this yeah, way. Yeah. So it definitely requires adductor flexibility. Uh, not sure if it's a flexibility, strength, or mobility problem. Squeezing my glute tends to help, but it's difficult to do quickly. Any ideas? The first thing I want to ask is, before Phil jumps in, Callum, if you can chime in and say, how often are you kicking? What's the rest period between when yeah. you kick? So, because that, it's potentially that you have a bit of an overuse injury going on and you're just not letting it uh, recover. But Phil, do you want to And are in? you kicking something or are you kicking the air? Yep. Yeah, is that, that going to make it? Is that uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I thought you were saying like, because um, no, no, no. like with your knowledge of kicking, have you? Uh, it could be either. It depends yeah, okay. on what he's doing. Um, yeah, I'd okay. imagine that he's kicking something. So I'd sure. imagine that he's kicking Have uh, you had pad. any experience with groin pain while kicking? Oh right? man, so much, so much. Um, so my experience, I mean, I did, I did Kung Fu for 13 years and I've got a decent kick um, on me from that amount of time training. Um, and I found it, it's most most commonly with martial arts, it's an overuse injury, and it's trying to do something that your body isn't capable of. I can definitely, if I knew what I know now, I would not have tried to kick so high, and I would have worked more on flexibility and end range strength. So I would have worked more on creating flexibility in the adductors and hamstrings, and more on creating end range strength in the glutes and hip flexors to be able to get my leg up easier than I would have spent time trying to kick high. Because I was, tr- because basically, like, if your end range, if the furthest that you can go is to get your leg to here, and you try to kick to there every time, then every single time you do it, you're going to your absolute limit, and it's that's going to really strain you. But if you develop a range where you can go to here, but you kick to there, it becomes really, really easy. That's that's a really important statement to understand, and I just want to chime in and explain why. Because your brain, if you're kicking to your limits, your brain is hardwired to prevent that from occurring, especially in a ballistic movement. Yeah. And this happens to a lot of athletes. Um, you know, when you're you, you push your body to the extreme when you're sprinting or um, uh, changing directions, jumping or kicking, and you're and Phil can probably give you a bit of a bit a bit, bit more deeper um, um, idea of what's occurring here. But the nervous system is preventing you from harm, and so if the nervous system, if your body starts to reach its limit, and we've spoken about this a lot, Carmine, in our in our flexibility um, podcasts, um, your your. Callum, we're talking to here, yeah. Your uh, your brain is sending signals back and forth to that to that limb, to the muscles, to the muscle spindles, to the, and and saying, okay, I'm getting close to my limit here. You need to contract and prevent me from going further. But if you've got momentum, inertia behind that, it's going to stretch you beyond the point that your brain can actually prevent. It's uh, it's not like a, a, a static stretch where you stretch to your limit and it gets tight and you just can't go any further. Momentum takes you further. And so you're, yeah, you're essentially creating an injury every time you do that. Um, is that's that's what I would suggest. What? Yeah. So I guess to get back to um, your question of like, not sure if it's a flexibility, strength, or mobility problem. I think um, uh, you could think about it as like all of those would be the solution. So more of all of those things would definitely help. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
What, and the other interesting thing is saying when you're sque uh, squeezing your glute, it tends to help. But yeah, obviously when you're trying to do you know free flowing movement, mm. it's really hard to be like contract glute now. Glute. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and that's that's the problem with a lot of this sort of like activation stuff. Like it, it has to be a um, automatic thing. It can't be like pre-programmed. Like you can't be like okay, whenever I kick, I've got to try and tense that really hard to tense thing. So. Um, with when you think about what's happening when you're um, kicking, is you've got your hip joint, which is just like your shoulder joint, it's a ball and socket joint, except it's a much um, more closed down space. So the shoulder is like a very shallow um, socket, so you have lots of free flowing movement, whereas your um, your hip is quite a closed in joint. So when you're moving um, your leg around quickly, like the ball has to um, clear a lot of different range. Um, in a, which is quite hard when you've got a, a quite a closed down space. So it's it's really important to um, build up the like strength and control throughout that full range. So I got a bit off track there because it's really hard when Yanni was chatting. Yeah, yeah, Richie, yeah. I got hard, like, oh, my get brain. Gets, uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, just to make that a bit more clear. So just like the shoulder, you have to be strong throughout all these ranges. You, same thing goes with your hip if you're into that sort of high kicking. So. Um, like the stabilizing control work with the external rotators in your hip are what keeps that ball in the middle of the socket. And, and so when you're squeezing your glutes, what you're doing is you're actually squeezing that whole area, which you're probably doing, you're, you're squeezing the external rotators as well, which act as that um, structure that keeps the ball in the middle of the socket. So um, doing some targeted strengthening of those muscles will help just build up that strength, but we also want to make um, like build up that dynamic control as I talked about, it can't be pre-programmed, so doing some um, more reactive work, like single leg balance work, mm -hmm. and um, reactive work in different ranges, which I can't really demonstrate in this tiny space, but um, that's, uh, there's like lots of different activation things that you could try to try and build up that, that ability, but then it's like the big picture stuff, it then comes down to applying it to actual kicking, which you definitely do via the way that Rad was talking about there, like with his experience of, you know, if you're able to kick up here, but you only kick here, then you're going to be able to do that a whole lot more, and you'll be able to build up that volume, and you'll be able to build up that tolerance. And just like Yanni said, you're not you're stressing out your system every time you, you kick. So as you build your strength, flexibility, and mobility, like if you know now you can kick like to head height, kicking to shoulder height should be no problem. So yeah. slowly and build it up. And I'm going to um, I'm going to quickly because Callum's given us another little bit of feedback. Here. I'm going to read this, and then I've got something else to add to it. So Callum's saying I haven't been kicking very frequently recently during uh, due to the COVID-19. I thought I'd use this time to overcome the issue. When I was younger, I could kick head height with both legs. Now I force my right leg up into the position, but simply can't with my left. The issue started on the left side of my groin when throwing uh, a side kick. Listen, man, this is something that happens when you age, and uh, um, this is really a really, really hard conversation to have with people. And I've been told in the past that I'm quite heartless when I do this. So I'm gonna do my best to not be heartless, but- <laughs> You heard it first here. Um, Yanni's <laughs> told me many times that I have to come up with a different approach. And for the life of me, I just can't think of a different way to do it. But this, this concept of aging gracefully, like I, the amount of things that I used to absolutely love doing when I was younger, that I, that I could do so easily that when I've tried them when I was older, and for me, it's acrobatics. I could jump around and do flips and things that I learned in martial arts and through just playing around with my friends quite easily when I was younger. And about three or four years ago, I had another run at the mountain. I thought, you know, my body's feeling good. I'm out of the army. I want to get back into this stuff. 
and I and I, I did a bunch of injuries. The worst one I probably did was I can't remember the name of it, but I tore a part of the tendon and a part of the bone off one of my toes. It, like it's just on the toe, but it was so painful I couldn't do anything that involved any kind of impact for about nine months afterwards. And I just made the decision. I thought to myself, is the risk versus the reward for this? And the answer for me was no. I'm getting older and I thought there is so many cool things that I can still do if I just shift my priorities to a different area that I can excel in at my age that have a very low risk. And I made that decision. And I would argue like if, if you're if this is really hurting you that much and it's and it's causing you to do this, like the amount of work that I'm about to tell you that I think you have to do. I'd argue like, is it worth it? Is it like, is it really worth you putting that much work into something? And maybe it is, maybe it is worth it. And if it is, go for it. But, and the last thing that I was gonna say, cause I can see Phil's getting ready to chime in here is generally when I, I've found that when you have an issue like this, like definitely I'll just rest it and then get back into it is not the solution. That is not going to fix the problem for you. you you're gonna to have to go back a little bit and really work on a lot of different strategies that Phil has identified that I've put a few forward here um, and build yourself up in uh, you know strength, flexibility, mobility, um, dynamic stability work that Phil said to be able to get back to that point. But the solution is not gonna come from, I'm gonna rest it and then I'm gonna try doing the same thing again that caused the injury. I, I, just quickly before Phil dives in, I think we gotta be ve tread very carefully with what Rad just said there. I've got um, Steve Cavana making a valid point. 42 is so young, try 62. And we got- Is Callum 42? We, no, uh, yeah. uh, what's that? I don't even know how old Callum is, but um, we, we've got people like Vasco Barros in this gym at 64 or 66 who are doing muscle-ups and things that they never would have thought possible at a young age. And the, the reality is is that, yeah, I, I don't agree with Rad at all in suggesting that you should give up at 40 years old doing I never things said that. that you love. I never said you should give up. I never said that. I said risk versus reward and decide if it's worthwhile. And I'm not telling yeah, you. You got a guy there talking about doing sidekicks. He's not at trying to climb. Yeah, and he's oh, 23. Oh, is he 23? Is he? At, at, you know. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. Jesus Christ. Get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but even if you were 43, mate, I'd say get into it too. Yeah. Uh, with groin pain, there are lots of different things that can cause groin pain. There are um, things that can happen from the actual groin muscles, so your adductors. It can be um, things that are happening in your pelvis. It can be hip related. So groin pain is a really tricky one. It's not always. Uh, caused by the actual groin muscles. So that's the kind of first thing. If you've got to think about what is the driving cause of pain, and that's really hard to do unless you know a bit about it. So would recommend getting someone uh, to professionally kind of work through it with you because then you can really target your intervention. But having those big picture ideas about how you build things up uh, is really key. And, that, and, and I think, you know, at the age of 23, there's no reason why you can't. The one thing is with hips to keep in mind um, is that when you say you just can't do it on your left, um, there is something that does happen with people who are very athletic and people who have done sport throughout their whole life and people who have been kicking throughout their whole life where you do actually get, as we, uh, we'll talk about so much, like your, bo your body adapts to what you spend your time doing. So with um, that could be really productive ways, but sometimes it can be kind of frustrating ways where in uh, people who've done a lot of sport, basically your hip can bo like grow more bone and um, mm. it can make actual movements harder because instead of having this like clean ball and socket you suddenly have a much like a ball with like different shapes in it which so there might just be that if you are trying to push these positions similar to what Rad was doing with his internal rotation and injured his knee because of this FAI like femoral tibial impingement like there might be changes there that just make certain movements impossible but it might just be because of a lack of control lack of strength mobility so that's why it is really hard to say like 
you know, do exactly this and it'll be better. Um, but if you can figure out that driving cause, um, then... And, and, and if uh, your suggestion, my, my um, suggestion has always been that if you can continue to get a repetitive issue when you try something, then go and get like an MRI and get it confirmed and then just work around that. Don't say, okay, yeah, well, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say get the MRI. Like there's a lot of this is like clinical diagnosis. Like you ask questions and test things out and you yeah. find out. Um, but, and and... Like, I think it's really important to say, like, with FAI, like, I've got it, Rad's got it, <laughs> like, we've, we've all got it because we've got, we've yeah. been doing sports throughout our whole life. And it doesn't mean that you can't do stuff. It just means that you've just yeah, got to be aware of your anatomy and what you A lot of really good martial artists can only kick uh, high with one leg. I've, yeah. uh, I, I can't remember any of their names, but when I was um, obsessed with Kung Fu, there was a couple of China's best Kung Fu martial arts stars, and they could only kick with one leg, and they were unbelievable with that one leg and you had to you had to actually watch a couple of their movies before you realize that they never kicked high with the other leg yeah they always just kicked with the one leg really high but this so, is the beauty of yeah. learn like uh, calisthenics strength training all of it it's about learning your body uh, exploiting your body's strengths and learning to work around your weaknesses and limitations you know and that's why it's always you versus you don't compare yourself to someone else uh, Callum, just work on what your best efforts are and, and, and you'll produce amazing results. You know, we get very caught up looking at someone we aspire to. It might be a mixed martial artist or a professional athlete and then going, oh, I want to be able to do exactly what he does. But it's going to be your body's best interpretation of that always, you know. And just, yeah, really work on that. Mm. Really work on that. Yep. Cool. Steve well, Cavan is pointing out that he was talking about your age, 42, uh, not uh, Callan, Callum's age. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, look, um, I, I think from a macro standpoint, you know, it's funny, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine uh, recently who was asking, of all the athletes in the world, who would you most like to work with? Who would you most like to coach? And uh, it, we went down this path of talking about athletes and athletes and the way they train. And I even continued this with my friend out there doing um, the shoot for, with the AFL guys about the progression of athletes. You know, you got junior athletes who master a sport and then a very small fraction of those move on to become professional in that sport. And they have generally quite a short life. And then after that, they generally become fans or coaches in that sport. Um, but a lot of them, by the time their fans and coaches are really broken because they've spent a large portion of their life focusing very heavily on specialization of that sport. And with specialization, Rad and I talk about this a lot, comes specific specificity issues and injuries because the body is not really, doesn't really like just specializing in one thing. It kind of likes a little bit of variety, like strength, flexibility, and mobility. Um, and um, I like to say, if you're not a, if you're not an athlete, if you're not an athlete, and it's very different for an athlete, because an athlete has to specialize in that sport. They have to get good at that sport. So their training is going to be very different. But this is what I brought up in my conversation with my colleagues the other day. Should everyone really be training like an athlete? Because if we know that specificity causes issues in the body, and you, you name me a professional athlete, and I'll name you someone who has issues later on in life because of the amount of time they specialized in that sport. So for everybody else who isn't trying to master one sport, I this is what Rad and my philosophy is, we should train like generalists because we're trying to train in a way that provides us a foundation where we're good at everything or that we can do everything well, you know. We're not, we, we, we have the luxury of being able to um, train variety. We don't have to focus on one thing. 
And let me be absolutely clear, focusing on one thing, yes, you become a master at that thing. Well, some people become a master at that thing, and that's very rewarding. But it's, it comes at a cost of everything else. Mm. And often it comes at a cost physically to your body. You know, mm. I've dealt with, I've, I've, I'm friends with a lot of ex-athletes, and, and we've had the luxury of meeting a lot of them come through the gym. And they're usually medicated ex-athletes because mm. they're in fucking pain because their bodies are broken because they've specialized their entire training life on this one thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I really like the idea of a generalist and I think it, it does, it, again, human nature is such a challenging thing where, you, you know, you get really excited about one thing and that really drives you and you just want to do that one thing over and over again. And like, as you said, the, the body doesn't love that, but the brain does. And, and I think it's that hard thing to... And it's something that I've really embraced going from playing one sport all the time. I played 11 years of Ultimate Frisbee. If you haven't, I won't go into what it is, but if you haven't seen it, YouTube it, have a look. Um, but I played, you know, five world championships. I played 11 years. That's all I did every weekend. And um, my body really copped it from doing that. And, and I've come out the other end and I've like found this whole like joy in just being the ultimate generalist. Like I do triathlons, I play beach volleyball, I surf, I come to the gym. And like I find a lot of joy in that. But I think if, you know, I kind of, I'd done the 11 years of being really obsessed with one thing and, mm. I, and I think that's it is a really hard thing mentally to find passion in things you're not passionate about but I just really recommend from my experience like give it a go just try out something that you're terrible at and mm. enjoy the experience of being bad because every time you turn up you get better at it yeah, and that's, that's what right. I really love about being a generalist is like you, you get so much more tangible improvement like yeah, when, when you're just so specialised in one thing, it's like you've just got to work for years and years and years oh, to get man. just, just quickly games. before you run off this. Now, I, I'm speaking from experience. I did boxing for 16 years and it really, like, my posture adapted to boxing, yeah. my body adapted to boxing, and I was okay at boxing. I was far from being a master of boxing, but... Um, it fucked me up. It messed up my shoulders. It prevented me from doing other things. And when time came that I wanted to be a bodybuilder, I wanted to do acrobatics, or I wanted to do calisthenics, it took me years of corrective exercise to be able to get myself back to a baseline where I could potentially learn how to do a handstand and do things like that. And I know you've had a similar experience. Well, we've all been specialists, all three of us. And it is... Without a doubt, it's one of the hardest things that you'll ever do in your life is to give up on your specialization. It is one of the hardest things. And I saw the pain you went through going through it and I saw the pain you went through going through it and I felt the pain myself because you have worked so, 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 so hard to get good at something and to make a decision one day where you're like, I'm not going to pursue that anymore and I'm just going to open myself up to all of this. It's so hard. And it's something that a lot of people never go through. And they, I, from what I've seen, this personal experience, what I've seen, the people that don't go through that, they suffer from it. Um, mo most often, there's always exceptions. I'm not talking about every single person, but, uh, but people suffer from it. They suffer mentally and they suffer physically. Um, but when you, when you open your world up, you go through exactly what you just described. I went through the same thing. When all of a sudden I went, when I'd made the decision that I was gonna be a generalist, I was like, oh wow, I, I can do this now? Yeah. I, oh, I'm allowed to do that? Because when you're a specialist, like when I, when I did Kung Fu, my teacher used to tell me you have to practice your horse stance for 20 minutes a day, you have to do footwork for 40 minutes a day, you have to practice kicking for half an hour a day, you have to practice forms for an hour a day, you have to do this, and, and, and I went, that's like four or five hours a day of work, and he said, do you want to be good? Mm. Well, because you told me you want to be good. So you reject everything else. Like you used to say to me, 
man, you should do just like 40 minutes of weightlifting a day. You should see what it'll do for you. And I was like, I can't do that. Mm. I've got to do five hours of Kung Fu every day. And when I all of a sudden went, hey, I'm not going to do that, I was like, oh, wow, I can do a bit of weightlifting yeah. now and yeah. I can do a bit of calisthenics. Well, when we used to box, I was only allowed to do strength training twice a week. And that was uh, one strength session and one explosive session. And, um, you know, and, and we did zero stretching, mm. zero flexibility work. Yeah. There just wasn't time for it. Yeah. And the reality is, like you have alluded to there, the moment you go, okay, but I want to do a bit of stretching or flexibility work, and we all had injuries. I mean, yeah. I ended up giving up boxing because I perforated my uh, tricep tendon. I s- swung a punch, missed, and it literally split down the middle of my tricep tendon, you know? Ouch. like. And, um, and it was because my triceps were tight as hell mm. and, and that they couldn't handle that ballistic mm. locking out of the elbow. As soon as I missed the target, yeah. I was vulnerable, you know? And so I argue I would have really benefited from some bloody flexibility work, you know? Mm. And I trained with some of the best coaches in the country, uh, the, someone who was in charge of the Australian Olympic boxing team for years, you mm. know? And so... Yes, what, moving from a, a specialist to a generalist for us, at least for me, is that now I work on strength and flexibility evenly, mm. and I'm working on a little bit, uh, not nearly as much cardio as I used to. I spent 16 years of my life pretty much doing all cardio, and, and I don't really enjoy it that much anymore. But um, yeah, we, we just have broadened the way we train, and we work on calisthenics and body weight training as much as we do, uh, say, open and closed chain movements. Um, yeah, and it's a bit different for Rad, a bit different for Richard, a little bit different for Phil, but we're just not specialising on a sport anymore, But that's the beauty know? of the UMS is that we all do our own version of it. Yeah. And it's just that at the foundation of it, there's strength and flexibility and cardio, but then there's, you just tailor it to what you want to do and your purpose. Yeah. I think we're out of time, guys. Yeah. Um, I have to say, Callum has come in here saying, thanks, guys. Sound advice all around. Very surreal to have three guys on the other side of the world talking about my groin. <laughs> <laughs> Too true, too true. Hey, look, guys, smash up the likes on this uh, stream if you enjoyed having Phil back. Um, We'll do Physio Fridays again. Let's just keep this going. Um, We got we got a couple of big announcements. We got our uh, we got Liz on the live stream. I'd like to give her a shout out. She's managing our merch, so we're launching a merch line finally. It's been a long time coming. Uh, and we're going to launch it with the Shut Up and Do Some Bloody Burpees t-shirts. Um, so big shout out to Liz for managing that. Thank you very much. And also, um, this is going to change. Uh, I'm starting work on the rebuild of the studio this weekend. That's so look news, out, watch I this space. look like a tiny little like mini person in the back here with the yeah. like, two behemoths well, at the front. One of the big so. things is that we're going to have three <laughs> camera angles have so three that it's going yeah. to yeah. Uh, change that a little bit. And also the mics and, yeah. It's all gonna. It's all gonna look a little. It's gonna transform a bit next week. And if you made it uh, this far on YouTube, um, please go and download one of our blueprints: the Strength Blueprint, the Flexibility Blueprint, or the Nutrition Blueprint, where you can learn all about our program and how we get such astonishing results with our members. And come over and join the Facebook group called UMS Movement Mastermind. There's a link for all of that in the description of this video. That's the best way that you can connect with us and uh, ask your own questions on these live shows. And shout out to anyone who's listening on the podcast, Sound of Movement podcast phil will have this up yeah. afterwards uh he's very passionately managing our podcast thank you very much yep mm-hmm. getting some views up getting mm-hmm. some listens up so that's yeah. no, uh thanks for everyone who's listening there and um yeah it's 
exciting times. Awesome, guys. We, this is Friday for us, so we're sounding off for the week, but we will be back uh, stronger than ever on Monday. Um, make sure that you get the workouts done. Congratulations. With, with, with some new microphones, Yanni? Are we going to be no, back? No, the end of the week. The no. table's getting done okay. um, next week, so we'll have it all together next at the end of next week. Okay, awesome. See you later, everyone. See have you a good guys. Weekend. Have a good weekend. What's happening? Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.